Okay, if you guys have your Bibles, you guys can grab those. We're going to uh, focus in John today. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Simon Peter and uh, his character and his life with Jesus, and I I really find him quite fascinating. Um, And so if you guys will turn with me to John, um, you know, John, Peter was a fisherman, and at that time, when you think about fishermen, they were pretty burly men, like they had to be. You know, they didn't have all the equipment that we have now. They were really strong, really um, vigorous. You know, they swore and cussed and they smelled like fish because they were with fish all day long. I mean, these were like what we would call like manly men. And so when I think about Peter, that's what I think about. I think about like he's probably super scruffy. You know, he's probably, he, he was always the one that was ready for the storm. You know, when you were a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, you had to be because those storms came out of nowhere. And they were big enough to capsize like a 20 to 30 foot boat. And so Peter, you know, being a fisherman, he was always ready for the fight. He was always ready for the storm. He was always ready to fight for his life. I mean, that was kind of his character. And then, uh, and then one day, just on an ordinary day, he was doing his own thing, he met Jesus. And so in John 1, 42, it says this, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And that's why we call him Simon Peter, because his name was Simon. And when he met Jesus, Jesus decided to change his name to Peter. Later on, we'll find out that really the reason that Jesus called him Peter was because he knew when he looked at Simon that he wasn't just a fisherman. When he looked at Simon, he knew right then that one day the church was going to be built on this rock. And when he looked at Simon Peter, that's why he changed the name. Your name is Peter, which means rock. The first encounter with Jesus, he already knew that there was so much more in Simon than he could have even seen himself. And I think a lot of times when we first meet Jesus, that's the experience that we have, that all of a sudden we didn't even realize the life that we could possibly have. And Jesus calls us out. So Jesus knew Simon wasn't supposed to be just a fisherman. He begins to call him Peter, and then Peter gives up that day. Jesus says, hey, follow me. He says, okay. He gives up everything. He gives up his, his fishing career. He, he leaves his hometown, and then he follows the stranger for three years, and it's the most amazing adventure of his life. He watches Jesus turn water to wine. He watches the lame walk and the, and the deaf hear and the blind see, and then he sees Jesus rally thousands of people and feeds them five loaves and two fish, and somehow it feeds all of them. He watches them raise the dead back to life. It was as if following this man, anything was possible and they were unstoppable. And this was the life that he lived for three years. And one thing after another, it seemed like they were just conquering and victorious and, and, and really anything that came there in their way was nothing. All the times that Jesus was almost going to get captured or wanting to, you know, the people wanting to kill him, he always seemed to escape. And so it seemed like they were truly, truly unstoppable. Until one day. It was the day 
in the garden when Jesus was betrayed by his friend for 30 pieces of silver. And I always think that Peter has this bad rep because we know Peter as the, the disciple, who de- disciple who denies Jesus three times. Like, that's like, of all the things that he does, that's like one of the highlights of his life. That he's the one that denies Jesus three times. How could he? Come on, Peter. We always, whenever I read that, I'm like, come on, Peter. And you follow this man for three years, and then you're, you're best friends with him, and he's your, he's your leader, and he's your king, and all of a sudden you just deny him? And then I start thinking about what he could possibly have gone through. I think about all of the expectations that Peter had for his life and the life to come and all the promises that Jesus made. And for Peter, really, what was he, what was he hoping for? He was hoping that this was it, that this was going to be the beginning of a new kingdom, like a new world order, a new government. This was going to be, this was going to be victory for the Jews, that, that they were no longer going to be under Roman rule, that this was going to be one thing after another, miracle after miracle, and Jesus was going to set this new uh, foundation for them. That was what he was hoping for, that Jesus was going to be here forever, and he was going to be their king. And so Peter was always ready for that fight, He was ready for that war. He brought the sword to the garden, and he cut off that guy's ear, which I don't think he was aiming for his ear. I'm sure he was trying to aim for his head, but he missed. He was ready for the fight. He was not afraid to give up his life. And so when he denies Jesus three times, I don't think that it was so much that he was afraid for his life. That, oh, yet I don't know that guy, to save his own skin. I think Peter denied Jesus three times, one after another, because he was so ready for the fight. What he wasn't ready for was surrender. When he saw his friend, his leader, his king, instead of stepping up and being unstoppable like he always has been, he watched him give up his life. And all those dreams and expectations and all the the hopes that he had, melted away with every taunt and every punch and every slap. It's in that moment that I think Peter realized this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This wasn't the future that I had imagined. And this isn't the person that I thought I knew. I think it's with that heart It was a heart of distraught. It was a heart of brokenness that he said, I don't know that guy. I don't even know what's happening right now. The very last memory that Peter has of Jesus, it wasn't the wonderful meal that they had together. It wasn't in the garden walking to that place. It was when Jesus locked eyes with him after he denies him three times. Because right after that, Jesus goes and he's crucified and he's buried. And and Peter walks away with not just the disappointment, not just the distraught, not just the confusion, but also the shame now. He walks away with the shame. What did I just do? Luke 22, 61 to 62 says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And then he, Peter, he went out and wept bitterly. And that was the last time he saw him. And really for Peter, I think that that seemed like it was going to be the end. Because when Jesus goes and he is crucified and then he is buried, and that was, that was seemingly the end of the story. Because what else could Peter have expected? Right? For us, it's easy. We have the Bible from beginning to the end. We get the story, the big picture. We know he's going to rise up on the third day, but they didn't know that. And for Peter, it was as if it was not just all of his dreams and his hopes. It was also his friend. And all of a sudden, they laid him in the tomb. They closed the door on it. And that was so final. It was so final. What else could they have hoped for? I can't imagine thinking all that hard work the last three years, all that training I went through, all the teachings that you gave me, what was that for? For what? And now the tomb is closed. Day one, you know, you kind of wake up the next day. Nothing's changed. The tomb's still closed. Hopeless. Day two, nothing has changed. The tomb is closed. Hopeless. I think somewhere in there, there is a resolve in your heart that you're like, I think things are, are just not going to change. This that was probably the end. Because when you read continually in the story, it's interesting because on the third day, Jesus rises from the dead. The tomb is empty. The disciples are, are you know, they see Jesus himself. I mean, it's this glorious, amazing encounter. Like, you're alive, you're here, you know. Mary runs from the grave and tells them what to do. And, and it's supposed to be this massive celebration. But when you read it, it's interesting because John 20 says this, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and on his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And it's this amazing encounter. Yes, now we know what to do next, right? Because the tomb wasn't the end. Now we know what to do. Now you, you're giving us instruction again. And so they're filled with joy. But if you follow Peter in the story... Peter, the one who says, Lord, if that's you, I'll jump off this boat and walk on water. Peter, the one that, that is always the one to first dive in, to jump in, to say something, to rebuke Jesus himself, right? I mean, Peter is not afraid. Peter is not one that holds back. He's always the one that jumps into action. And so when Jesus comes back and he's raised from the dead and he tells the disciples, hey, look, now as the Father has sent me, I'm going to send you. What does Peter do? And surprisingly, he doesn't just jump into it like he normally does. Instead, he actually goes from Jerusalem and travels 75 miles north back to Galilee, his hometown, and he goes back to fish. He goes back to being Simon, the fisherman. And we're going to pick up the story in John 21, 12 to 17. It says, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. So they're out fishing. Peter brings some of the disciples with him. And they catch nothing that night. 
You know, can you imagine, like, you're already disappointed, things didn't turn out, and then you go back to the thing that you do know, and it still doesn't turn out. Like, can I do anything right? And then somebody from the shore calls them, hey, did you catch anything today? And, of course, they're like, oh, my goodness, no. And the guy says, well, throw your nets to the other side of the boat, and they haul in all this fish, and they knew. They knew it was Jesus. Jesus followed them back to Galilee. And they knew. So, so Peter, you know, he jumps into the water, goes to the shore. And this is how Jesus greets them. Hey, come and have some breakfast. I love that. Jesus likes to eat too. None of the disciples dare to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time. This was the third time Jesus appeared to them. Since he had been raised from the dead, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. See, I think what happened was Peter was so disappointed that things didn't turn out. That when Jesus died and he was buried, it really shook him to the core. That even when Jesus rose from the dead to show himself before the disciples, it couldn't shake Peter out of that funk. That something within Peter was like, I don't, I don't know. Are you going to die again? Are we going to have to go through this again? Am I going to be disappointed again? Are things going to really turn out the way that we had always hoped? Are we really going to build this church that you've always talked about? Right? And I think we can all relate. When something devastating happens to us, when we're hoping for something and it doesn't happen, what happens to our heart? We kind of close it off. We don't want to take that risk again. Peter's, Peter's human. This is his humanity right here. And so even when Jesus tells him, hey, just as God has sent me, I'm going to send you, Peter's like, I don't know about that. And then it's so amazing because Jesus comes to him and has this very intimate breakfast and conversation with Peter. And he speaks to Peter's heart and says, look, do you love me? Like, like stop thinking about all the things that happened. Stop thinking about the disappointment. But, but look at me. Look at me. Do you love me? Refocus. Do you love me? And I think Peter had to come and realize he had to let go of the things that happened before. And he had to follow the Lord. The last thing Jesus tells Peter is, hey, do all these things. Feed my sheep, care for my sheep, and follow me. He says, follow me. I think when we look at our lives, we can be so fixated on the disappointments. We can be so fixated on the things that should have been, could have been, would have been. We start looking at all the things that we've done and where we are now and why we haven't, why we're not further along, why in our life things are not happening like I had hoped and I had dreamed. 
And even, maybe even in some of us in here, we have things that have happened in our life where it, it seemed like we buried it. Like, I'm just going to bury that dream because it's not going to come to pass. Or something happened to us and it's like, I just know that's never going to happen now. And there was a tomb. There's a tomb in our hearts. And we keep looking at it. And we keep looking at the tomb hoping that something will change. And we just keep looking at it and we grieve over it. And we mourn over it. And yet, we easily miss that Jesus is standing right before us. And he's saying, come. Do you love me? Stop looking to the grave, but look at me. There is nothing in there. I'm not in there. I'm right here in front of you. And he wants to have that intimate conversation with us. Do you love Jesus? Will you follow him? And if so, what's so amazing is that after that conversation, Peter snaps out of it, it seems like. Because right after that, We have them being filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter rises up, and he gives his first sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. See, for Peter, there had to be a shift. He had to redirect his heart. He had to realize that the best was yet to come, that the things of the past will no longer hold me back. But when Jesus calls us in front and out, the best is yet to come. And we can't even imagine how good it's going to be. And so for us today, the Easter message isn't just this amazing story, a good ending to the baby in the manger. The Easter story is actually the beginning. It's the launching point of where God wants to take us. His resurrection means for us the life and the life abundant that he has for us. And so if we would refocus our heart, we would refocus our eyes, Jesus wants to lead you right out of here.